the Fiesta Bowl set the standard for how teams should be treated, how fans should be treated, and players should be treated. You know, everyone looked to uh, how the Yellow Jackets did it. Welcome and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Fiesta Bowl Football Focus Podcast, where we visit with some of the top coaches, players, and industry leaders across college football. I'm Scott Lightman with the Fiesta Bowl, and today we're joined by Gene Smith, the longtime athletics director at Ohio State, who previously served as athletic director at Arizona State, Iowa State, and Eastern Michigan. While here in Tempe, Gene was on the Fiesta Bowl board of directors and is currently a life director. He is one of the most respected athletics administrators in the country, and several Power Five athletic directors like Martin Jarmond at UCLA and Pat Chun at Washington State served under Smith. Gene, thank you very much for joining us today. We're really thrilled to have you. You have a special part in our history as a person in Ohio State, naturally, um, with the Fiesta Bowl, has a very rich history here. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Scott. I uh, have fond memories of my time in Arizona and working with the Fiesta Bowl and uh, obviously uh, great memories of uh, being the athletic director at Ohio State uh, with our team participating. So appreciate the opportunity. So you personally, uh, you were a football player growing up in the state of Ohio in Cleveland, um, but you were recruited and attended Notre Dame. What kind of steered you in that direction instead of staying in state at Ohio State or some other school that was recruiting you at the time? Yeah, well, Ohio State was my second choice. And, uh, you know, I had not uh, thought about Notre Dame a lot, but had when I went on my visit, uh, what was one of my close friends who was from Warren, Ohio, and we were on the same visit. And uh, both of us kind of fell in love with Eric Parsegian, uh, the coach at that time. Um, you know, campus was beautiful. And uh, while we weren't Catholic, uh, we we fell in love with the coaching staff. And uh, that did it for us. Um, we also, uh, you know, felt like we were getting away a little bit, even though it wasn't that far. But for us, it was far at that time. Uh, but we just felt like it was a very comfortable place with the coaching staff, and uh, I just fell in love with it. Following your, your playing career and undergraduate career, when did you know you wanted to be in athletics administration as a profession and perhaps even become an athletics director? Well, it's so strange, Scott. I never aspired to, to do that. Uh, my degree was in business administration, and I aspired to go into the private sector, but I ended up coaching for four years after I graduated, and and then um, uh, when Dan Devine retired, uh, I uh, was uh, decided to go into the private sector, and I worked at IBM, selling computers in South Bend, and to the manufacturing and distribution industry. And uh, the, the defensive coordinator I played for, Paul Schultz, had become the athletic director at Eastern Michigan University, and he and I had a relationship. And one day he called and shared he had this associate athletic director's position open and he wanted someone with business background and someone who understood football because he just hired a new football coach he was trying to rebuild that program and someone that would be loyal to him and so we uh, sat down for a long time he, he taught me what athletic administration looked like because I had no clue and uh, I realized that I could combine my business acumen and my uh, athletic passion and, and in athletic, into athletic administration. So that's how I got into it. 
left IBM to work for him. He taught me the business. Um, he retired and you know, I applied for the job and ultimately got it. So it wasn't something I aspired towards. I, I owe it all to Paul Schultz, uh, who reached to me and, and provided me an opportunity to get into it. And, and I found my career path. So that's how it, how it got started for me. And I fell in love with it. So once you're in it and you're, you're up there at Eastern Michigan as the associate, you know, how did you attack the process to then, you know, becoming the big chair and, and kind of what drew you to stay in it after having been in the private sector? You know, um, Paul was a great guy. He was an old football coach, right? And so he was reaching to someone like me because of the business acumen. And, and uh, I walked in, I mean, I had never worked in that industry. And he gave me nine sports, uh, the secretary overseeing the clerical operation. He gave me the budget, facilities management. I mean, all those type of things I, I walked in on. And, and, um, and, and I just was sprinting, you know, we were 12, 13 hour days and, and I learned a lot really fast. And but once I kind of got into that diversity of, of oversight, uh, responsibility and did all the people, which I love. Um, I just kind of developed a passion for it you know, because I saw how it was helping student athletes. I sat with him a lot, talking about the business, met other people in the business uh, through meetings and conferences and things of that nature. And and um, I kind of knew in my second year, even before he announced his retirement, that okay, this is it. You know, uh, at some point. You know, I'm going to have to chase an AD's chair, and I didn't know he was going to retire. So that provided me the window of opportunity even better because I was able to do it at a place that I was familiar with, uh, which I think really helped me uh, as opposed to going somewhere different. And so that, that's kind of how it happened for me. It just became I knew I could uh, could take my business background from you know the time at Notre Dame in school to my time at IBM where basically at that time in the 80s going to IBM training was equivalent to getting an MBA and so I I was able to apply that on uh, personnel management budget management marketing all those type of things I applied then and still apply today well after a successful uh, stint taken over for Paul there at Eastern Michigan you went over to Ames uh, for Iowa State for several years before Landing here in the Valley, uh, in Tempe, is the athletic director at Arizona State at the turn of the century. What would you call your biggest challenges and successes while with the Sun Devils? You know, uh, uh, Arizona State was a challenging job. And, and, you know, I compliment Ray Anderson for what he's doing there uh, with an outstanding president, Michael Crow, um, because it's a tough job. You're in a, a diluted market. You have so many activities for so many people with all the pro sports and, and the entertainment dollars stretch. So you you have to be highly competitive and, you know, you better be good. And, you know, I remember one time when we were there, we were decent and we had a seven o'clock at night game and the Diamondbacks were playing. And I figured I better put the Diamondbacks up on the video board pregame and at halftime to make sure we got the <laughs> So... <laughs> but it was it was it's the market that challenged your creativity, uh-huh. which I enjoyed, and, and um, great supporters, great fans. Um, uh, the donor base was awesome. 
but you, you needed to be creative in that market. And, and I watched what Ray and, and President Crow are doing. They're doing that in, in order to be successful in athletics. And uh, he's made good hires. And so I think the, the challenge for me every day was making sure that we were creative from a, a, a fundraising point of view, uh, from a marketing point of view, a revenue generation point of view, uh, so that we had the, the financial wherewithal uh, to attract the best players in every sport and ultimately give them the resources uh, to be successful and, uh, and have a chance for uh, to win championships and, and, and graduate. So it was really about the market. So while you were here in Tempe, you served on the Fiesta Bowl Board of Directors. Uh, it was funny. I saw after Ohio State was selected this past season for the Fiesta Bowl, you posted on social media a picture of you. I don't know if it was in your office or your home office with your yellow jacket that you still have today. Yeah. <laughs> it still fit. There you go. Let me see if this thing fits. <laughs> well, that's a tribute to you then because it's been a while. Um, I got lucky. <laughs> what were some of the key initiatives of the Fiesta Bowl at the time that you served on the board of directors? You know, my memory's a little shot, but uh... – you know, I think at the time, uh, you know, the, the, the bowl system was, you know, faced with the speculation change. You know, it was a lot of conversation around, you know, will there, you know, be a different structure down the road? Uh, BCS had really just started and, and were we positioned uh, the right way and, you know, then there was the, the conversations around uh, location, you know, a new facility is going to be built. How would, you know, how would it impact the bowl? And so I was at the front end before all that actually happened. And so a lot of speculation around, uh, you know, how, where we would be in Sun Devil Stadium or uh, a new facility at that particular time. It wasn't identified. And then just, you know, really just the, the finances, you know, making sure that we retained our sponsor and, and sponsorships and things of that nature, um, make, making sure our ticket prices were good and really granular stuff. When um, I was there in a window time where before the changes actually occurred. And, and uh, so learned a lot, really brought, tried to, my best to help from the operational point of view because we were hosting at that time. And Sun Devil, um, but it was it was a great experience. Overall, what did you take away from your time on the board of directors at the Fiesta Bowl? You know the relationships. You know I uh, met so many good people, and and uh, you know I, I had a chance to get to know Carl Eller, and and it's just so many good people. Um, but I also had a chance to to see from a different perspective. Uh, what was put into a bowl game for the student athlete and coach experience. Um, you know, I had obviously been on the other side, um, you know, but, but I, I'd never actually been in the room uh, when you're, we're actually building the schedule for the week or, or, or talking about events and, and things of that nature and the attention to detail of managing how a team gets around and, you know, the hotel properties, all those type of things. I'd never been on the other side. And I was really impressed uh, with with that, with uh, with the festival and how they paid a lot of attention to that, which is why 
um, the Yellow Jacket uh, had and still have uh, the highest uh, ratings among ADs and coaches relative to uh, service. I mean, there's, you know, they, the Fiesta Bowl set the standard for how teams should be treated, how fans should be treated and players should be treated. And, you know, everyone looked to uh, how the Yellow Jackets did it. And, and uh, the, the service was, was ridiculous. And, uh, and so it was a, a great experience for me to, to, to learn that um, and, and appreciate uh, how uh, volunteers did such a great job in that space. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you still wear that yellow jacket proudly, that it still fits, <laughs> and that you're uh, – hopefully you can dust it off and come on back here in, uh, in a few years. Well, I tried to slip that in my bag when we were coming back. My wife wouldn't let me do it. Sheila said, you cannot do that. So uh, <laughs> I still have it and uh, keep it clean, and I hope I get a chance to wear it down there one day. Well, you are a life director, so there's no there's no partiality there, Gene. There's you know, none. It, it's on your resume. I mean, she can't it dispute is. that. That's right. That's right. I embrace it and enjoy it. Uh, speaking of Fiesta Bowl life directors, uh, another one um, just took over as the, the new Big Ten commissioner and Kevin Warren. He's also a Phoenix native. What has it been like working with Kevin thus far in his tenure? He certainly has had a lot of uh, a lot of meetings with ADs given what's going on in the collegiate landscape. Yeah, you know, that, that blessing to, to, to know Kevin and Greta from the time that uh, we were at Arizona, I was really fortunate, to, you know, to, when he was uh, being interviewed, ultimately announced, it was really cool for me. Um, so that represents almost two decades. And so he's done a great job. You know, he's extremely bright. Um, you know, I think his, his law background helps, but his, you know, his 21 years in the NFL helps. You know, his experiences with the Fiesta Bowl helps. He brings... Uh, multitude of experiences to us and so we're really lucky he's passionate um very very passionate about what we do what he how he brings his leadership style uh so he's done a great job for us um i feel bad for him because he's you know walked into a walked into it at a time where we're really faced with a lot of different challenges and changing on the on the landscape uh but he's you know he's really embraced uh, the opportunities and, and doing a great job for us so going back from ASU, you moved over to Ohio State in 2005 to take over probably inarguably one of the biggest and most successful all-around athletic programs in the country, which also happens to be near your childhood home. Uh, was Ohio State sort of a dream job for you? You know, it's so funny. Um, I turned this down twice. Most people don't know that. Um, I turned it down twice. You know, I, was, I, I, uh, I loved my time at Arizona State. I loved living in Arizona. Um, you know, I was on Ancala Country Club on the 10th tee box. I could walk out my back gate, and, you know, be on the 10th tee box and play, you know, five holes and walk back home. But, uh, so, and I'm from Cleveland, who, you know, so I'm like in heaven, man. Not so, to mention you could do that in January, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. I, I, I remember my first summer, the first Christmas there, I was barbecuing on the, on the back, on the backyard. I'm like, what the heck is this? So, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I really, I had a vision uh, at Arizona State that uh, wasn't realized, and, and 
Um, you know, I when I was at Eastern Michigan, it was realized that at Iowa State, we realized it. Um, uh, and I had not completed the job at Arizona State, so it was difficult for me to walk away. We, we just, my wife and I established great relationships, and we're relationship people. So it wasn't easy to leave Arizona State. Um, but ultimately, when I was finally convinced that uh, I should interview uh, by one of the professors there at Arizona State, uh, Jewel Parker Rhodes, who was a creative um, writer at Arizona State, um, I ultimately did the interview and, and then it was, it was over. Um, but, you know, it was it was a, uh, a great opportunity in the end. Uh, Ohio State is uh, at the pinnacle, has great financial resources, great support, great rich tradition and history. Um, I obviously knew a lot of people here uh, because I was, you know, from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so that made it a lot easier. But it was uh, my fat. My parents were still here in Cleveland. Uh, so it, it ultimately, yes, it was a great move for me and my family and uh, just really fortunate to have had that opportunity. You've been there now uh, 15 years. What have you been most proud of during your time in Columbus? You know, I'll tell you, there's, there's so many things uh, we've, we've been able to accomplish, but we created a leadership institute you know, with a, a focus on making sure that every student athlete, uh, when they leave, they have a job, uh, they're admitted to grad school, or they sign a professional contract. And uh, so this past year, before our kids walked across the stage, we were north of 90% of our students who already had um, jobs or signed contracts or were going to grad school. And in fact, our, we had our largest number of student athletes uh, uh, going to graduate school, 63 uh, uh, of our graduates who already admitted to graduate school and um and our goal is to get to 100 uh, percent i said it i said our goals based upon i want them to know before they get their diploma and uh, uh we continue to work with that 10 percent throughout the summer and we uh, ended up at 97 percent of our kids got locked down and uh so to me that's what it's all about you know you you go to college to ultimately find a career, get a job and so you can live the lifestyle that you hope you can, you've always wanted to live or go pro or, or whatever. And so that I'm really most proud of that. We've won championships and we'll continue to do that. We fundraise like crazy and build facilities and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, our, our commitment is to get our kids jobs. And so I'm really most proud of that. Your current football coach, Ryan Day, uh, I was very impressed with him when we spent some time with him for the 2019 college football playoff semifinal at the Fiesta Bowl. What did you see in him? How was he respected on campus? What's his persona like? And within the staff, you know, you're the football coach. You, you know, not all football coaches interact with other Olympic sport coaches um, and whatnot. But just describe Ryan. You know, um, uh, Ryan uh, has a, a great family man, great husband, great father, a great dad. Um, had a lot of experience in football, uh, different levels. Uh, but he's uh, his, his football IQ is ridiculous. I mean, the guy is uh, just a very good offensive mind. And, and I was looking for that. 
I, I wanted someone that could just help us explode uh, with the talent that we've been able to attract. And, and he's done that. And um, it, his personality, is, his EQ is strong. His emotional intelligence is strong. He gets along with people, very relation, relational-oriented, um, uh, just engaging. And uh, all of our... Uh, coaches uh, just love him. Uh, he's created a, a stronger family atmosphere uh, within our football program. Uh, that's one of his mantras. And and so he's just he's just done a great job in that regard. And so, um, you know, he, he had an opportunity to audition uh, when, when Urban was suspended for three games. Uh, uh, we tapped him to take over, and he handled it exceptionally well. Um, you know, handling preseason camp in August when your head coach is suspended, um, a lot of things can happen. Usually there's disruption, and he, he managed that uh, where there was none, and we ultimately uh, had a uh, great season. So uh, he's just an outstanding, uh, outstanding human being and, uh, and a great coach. So that season – you were on the college football playoff selection committee. I believe that was your final year on yep. the playoff selection committee. What did you enjoy most about being on it? And are there any funny anecdotes that you can give us from quote unquote being in the room? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was fun to be on it. Um, you know, one is a huge responsibility and honor, but you know, all my career I've been committed to service and, and warning opportunities to, to lead on those type of uh, committees and, and groups. And, but being in a room with my colleagues was just so much fun. You know, people who I knew, um, and, you know, just to be able to talk football candidly and, you know, it's just the, it's the fans greatest dream is to sit in a room and look at all the data, watch film and talk about teams. And, and uh, so it was really fun uh, from that perspective. Uh, you know, we, you know, we, we we probably at the at the end of each day ate too much and drank too much in the evenings. But uh, you know, I can't think of anything that was actually happened in the room. It was more, you know, in the evenings when we were trying to unwind. When you know we you know we had for some reason they got they put bing bag with old bing bag chairs the uh-huh. big bing bag we had those and. And it was all a matter of who would get to those first because, <laughs> and then, and then can you get up? So, <laughs> Too comfortable you know, watching was, college football and those things. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You, just, you know, I think we had uh, one, two, three, five TVs in, in our room, in our big conference room. So we could watch games and I always wanted that being bad cheers. And so I grabbed my little cocktail and some, uh, some food and, and locked in and, and I was, it was over for me. I was just in heaven. So, I, you know, it was just a great experience. Uh, enjoyed every minute of it. So one question I've been dying to ask, um, the result wasn't in your favor in terms of the year that you and Joe Castiglione were on the committee. I think it's that same year, Gene. Um, and Oklahoma got the number four spot, and, and Ohio right. State was left out. But you and Joe are on the selection committee. Your two teams are fighting for the last spot, and you two have to be recused from the room. So the right. two of you were sitting in an adjacent room while they're deciding the fate of your two programs. What's the conversation between you and Joe like? Is it dead silence? Are you joking about t- swapping jokes? What, what's going on there? Uh, Joe and I, it's, it's weird because Joe and I go so far back. 
um, you know, years as, as colleagues. And so it, it was different because of those friendships. Uh, and so we, we really talked about everything under the sun, our families and, and uh, what was going on in, in athletics, uh, you know, legislatively, what we were facing. And, you know, it was, you know, we, we didn't even, you know, we didn't even think about what's going on in the room because we're so close. Now, how we didn't have a relationship, it might have been different. But, uh, you know, our wives, you know, hung out with each other. So we, it was easy for Joe and I to sit there. Um, now, there was one time it was me, Joe, and Frank Beamer. Um, he had to come out. And uh, so, um, so we were, you know, all three of us started to talk about, you know, who's going to be where, <laughs> but and, uh, as a joking way. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't, wasn't weird at all. All right. Um, if you look at where you were when you were here in Tempe, the athletics climate then in today's athletics environment, kind of what's the biggest change and what are the biggest priorities today for a major college power five division one athletic director? You know, it's just, it's just uh, so many different changes, but the ones that are immediate are, you know, we have the name, image and likeness around the corner. Um, you know, it was always looming. Um, I remember uh, last year I was chairing, uh, co-chairing the committee on this. And, and I was reminded that in 02, we started talking about name, image, and likeness, and then we ended up tabling it. And, and now here it is, and, and uh, we're in the throes of creating legislation to to actually have it implemented in the fall of 21. And that will change uh, everything and how we operate. Um, you know, we, we've implemented the ability for student athletes to get cost of attendance. Uh, we've opened up legislation to allow schools to um, allow schools to provide, you know, un, un, unfeathered un, uh, meals to student athletes who have all types of restrictions around that. Now that's been those prohibitions have been lifted. So there's been changes that have occurred, but uh, I think the, the the name, image, and likeness is one. Uh, we just talked about the CFP. You know, the CFP is. Uh, changed uh, uh, big time and and what what is its long-term impact going to be so it's uh, uh, a number of changes have occurred but gambling uh, gambling has grown big and and um, it's been uh, uh, legalized in a lot of states and and so uh, a lot of places are, are faced with that uh, and then marijuana has been legalized in a lot of states. And uh, we have, uh, you know, drug testing and restrictions at a lot of our schools around athletics. And uh, so what does that mean, uh, you know, four, five, six years from now uh, as our culture uh, embraces uh, marijuana more in different states? And what does it mean for those kids who are, you know, growing up in environments where um, it's legal and their family uh, are embracing it. So um, a lot of changes that are right around the corner, some that are probably more down the road, uh, but uh, major changes in our world. In terms of college football right now, 
what do you think are the biggest items on the college football agenda? I mean, there's scheduling, there's, you know, different conferences have different levels of scheduling. Um, this year might be a yeah. little bit different, but uh, that may not even be it. What, what do you think are the biggest items? Well, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, again, the name, image, and likeness would have a huge part of that because, you know, while we'll try and create guardrail firewalls, firewalls around recruiting, um, you know, I think that there's going to be some issues around that uh, when it's ultimately implemented. Um, and then how much money kids will make and the management of that. So I think that'll be an issue. I think with football, the, uh, you know, just the continued uh, learnings, um, from from the postseason, you know the CFP and all the great bowls like the Fiesta Bowl. You know, our, well, what's the impact long term? Uh, what is it going to be? Uh, you know, are we talking about expansion or not at some point down the road? So, what does that mean? Uh, so, I I think it's important for us to watch that. Um, there's no question, uh, you know, the coaches' salaries are have gotten out of control in my view. Uh, and, you know, what does that, what does it mean down the road? Uh, you know, will it continue to escalate uh, or, or not? Uh, so uh, finances are, are always, uh, you know, with football are always going to be an issue. Um, the changing uh, fan behavior, um, you know, what's, what's our, our younger demographic going to look like? Um, considering the the world that they the digital world that they live in you know are they going to embrace the atmosphere and the um you know the what what a what a football game provides from an experience point of view i mean do they feel the need uh to make sure they're at every game or are they going to cherry pick which you know is, is seems to be a new behavior not a new behavior but a growing behavior uh, so I think there's some things there and there's probably something I'm missing, but those are some of the things that, that I think about. Describe your leadership style and, and Gene is, you know, maybe this is part of it. How do you lead in the times like we had this spring and summer, you know, you have to lead staff, you have to lead student athletes, you have to lead with donors and partners and university administration, you know, conference colleagues, it's a wide range of folks. Hey, you know, I, that's a great question. I, you know, I've always uh, felt it was important that, you know, a leader understands that they need to employ a particular style based upon the business situation. So I wouldn't say I have one particular style. Um, I'll, I will implement whatever style is necessary based upon what we're dealing with. It, it may be that at some point I have to be authoritative. Uh, it may be that at some point in time I, I have to be a coach. It may be that I have to be a affiliative type leader. So I can just keep going down the list. But it, it, each situation requires you to lead in a different way. And so, and I've tried to be that way. Um, I used to read a lot of leadership books and I always thought, oh, I'm going to be a democratic leader. Well, uh, I'm now a democratic leader when I need to be. <laughs> so, you know, it just, um, uh, it's kind of my style. Uh, but my core focus is on my, my values and the people that I work with every single day. People are the heart and soul of all that matter. I don't care what environment in, you know, what group dynamics you're dealing with. You have to focus on the people. 
You have to create an environment where, um, you know, the, the person feels valued and the person uh, is embraced. And, and, and so then you, then you hopefully uh, have an environment where they want to come to work, where they want to give it all. And so I, I, that's a major, uh, major focus of mine. And so uh, my style is based upon the business situation, but my core is based around how do I make sure my teammates, uh, we got 513 employees, you know, they all uh, feel good about their opportunities to reach their personal and professional goals and objectives. Uh, so we, we really focus hard on that. And in these times of, you know, challenge when we're, you know, this uh, facing COVID and, and social injustices and things of that nature is it over communication, over communication, over communication and, and making sure that you do your best to be transparent, honest, keep, keep people informed, give people flexibility to adjust, um, you know, when you're, you know, in the eye of a storm, you need people to, to have the ability to uh, maneuver in that storm, um, you know, on the fly uh, without feeling uh, that they have to uh, check whether they can turn left or right. And so uh, just making sure you, you, you give them that maneuverability uh, and then implement tools. You know, we... I think we all in our society um, have implemented new tools in order to be effective in this. And so I think that that's, that was important and still is important. Well, we mentioned Eastern Michigan uh, back in the day, and you've now served 35 years at four different institutions in the athletic director's chair, including now you mentioned the prestigious job that you have at Ohio State. Uh, how do you serve your role as a leader for black ed- athletics administrators, you know, and sort of a mentor of sorts for the next generations? You know, we've seen Martin Jarmond, uh, who just was hired at UCLA. Uh, we got to know well through our time with Ohio State, too. Um, he's just one of many who you've had direct mentorship for, but indirect mentorship for, um, of those black ad- athletics administrators who strive to reach the same success that you've so- worked so hard to achieve. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, you know, I've always, um, you know, back when I got started and, you know, I've had some great mentors, uh, Seth Dempsey, which most people, uh, everybody's familiar with who was at Arizona, um, and ultimately became the NCAA president and, and Delash Dodds, the, the athletic director at Texas, long-term AD there, great mentors of mine. And I, you know, I've always felt that it was important um, you know, as I've talked with them early back in the day about being recognized as the best athletic director and not being recognized as uh, a black athletic director or the best black athletic director. So my opportunity to help others was based upon whether or not I could perform at the highest level and be a, a role model uh, and inspiration for other uh, up-and-coming Black administrators and ultimately Black student-athletes so that, you know, they would see that someone's in that seat and they could dream that they could be that person. And so I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind uh, that if I have the opportunity to achieve at the highest level, then I, just by modeling 
by what I do, uh, I'm influencing. And, and ultimately influence the people who make those hires. I've met hundreds of presidents across the country now, and, and hopefully that interaction has provided them a window of opportunity to say, you know what, I can hire somebody of color. Um, so that's been one. And then the other one has been, you know, been strategic. You know, we've, we've, we've created some formal pipelines. Martin Jarman was one of that. One of those, Alan Green at Auburn was one of them. Bernard Muir at Stanford was one of them. Young puppies coming up and some of the older heads uh, actually started at Arizona State back in the day in the Pac-12 where we were trying to uh, grow the pipeline. And uh, uh, we continued it. And, and now, just recently, uh, there's been an alliance of black athletic directors that just formed young black athletic directors, which is really cool. Um, and Ray Anderson and I are the old head ambassadors now, so we're not all, we're we're participants, but uh, we really uh, are more ins- inspirational people than in anything. So uh, that's been the focus. Well, there's a wealth of knowledge amongst that group that is very impressive. Um, you know, Patrick Chun was another one who worked with yep. you and doing a phenomenal job out at Washington State, um, and yep. you guys serve as. I think you mentioned it right. If you can dream it, you can do it. And you guys have dreamt it and have done it and provided that inspiration and I think resources uh, for others. So hats off to you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what it's all about. You know, and, you know, and we, you know, we, we, uh, we've had structure to that and trying to make sure we uh, groomed uh, those who uh, were ready and, uh, you know, we just we've we've it's grown recently, and we just got to keep it growing. So I just want to close with a couple of questions about bowls. Obviously, that's of interest to us. Uh, and Ohio yeah. Ohio State's been here five times just while you've been in Columbus, and, right. and a record nine times overall. Describe the overall bowl experience uh, and why it's so important for student athletes. It's, it's different than the Big Ten championship game, or even a regular season game as big as the one against that school up north might be. Yeah, you know, I still try and, and still with our coaches, our athletes, when they get that opportunity, uh, is to look at it as a reward first and foremost. The reward for having the opportunity to have a great season, to be invited to a place like the Fiesta Bowl. Um, you need to recognize that and, and embrace that part of it uh, and enjoy the experience. And, you know, while you are there working to win a contest, it is a reward. So embrace the environment. Uh, learn as much as you can about the environment, and uh, and just enjoy the moment. Um, that's not why I've always felt that you know the Fiesta Bowl in particular and how it created the hospitality uh, mantra uh, and expertise was so important because uh, the kids having a good time is critical. It's critical and. and and uh, so I always tell our kids that, you know, if you can have a year where you get a chance to go and play postseason and go to a bowl game, that's awesome. And so it's, it's worked exceptionally well for us here. And, and um, if we have a chance to come back to the Fiesta Bowl, we'll, we'll embrace that. Well, history says it won't be too many more years before you come back. <laughs> if, you oh, look at the, right. if you look at the <laughs> list of games, it's been every few years that Ohio State's that's been here. So. 
All right, let's going to have a little fun with these last two little creative juices here. Let's say for bowl season, you could change or create one rule in college football. What would it be? I'd eliminate the kickoff. I would. I'd eliminate the kickoff. I, you know, I just, I think we've made some modifications to it. Um, but in order for, for safe and healthy reasons now with the, but, you know, we don't need it. And, and you still have uh, some collisions that, um, you just don't need to pick certain personalities, um, you know, who are willing to sacrifice everything in, in that situation. So I just kill it. That'd be one. All right. The last one we ask of everybody, this may be a tough one for you. <laughs> Your favorite Fiesta Bowl in history. We're nearing our 50th anniversary here, Gene, uh, coming up. We've had 49 classics. <clears throat> well, you know, this is weird. So, as you all, as, there, as all of my colleagues on the festival board know, um, when I went to Ohio State, I was blessed to, to come here. And Jim Trucker was our coach, and we came back and played Notre Dame. And uh, Charlie Weiss was the coach. Your very and first year, right, Gene? That's exactly right. I mean, is that weird or what? And, uh, you know, it was uh, a little homecoming to some degree because I was there to see all my friends uh, from Arizona State and Arizona. Uh, was re- getting reacquainted with some relationships uh, in Ohio through Ohio State. And then I had a chance to see some of my whole colleagues from Notre Dame. And, uh, but, you know, I wanted to beat Notre Dame in the worst way. People kept asking me who who was I cheering for, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And, uh, uh, but I, uh, it was so much fun. Um, you know, I uh, had gotten to know obviously the kids here, but that that game for me uh, was it, it was uh, kind of a, a a part of the start. You know, and. and um, so I, I have great memories around that game. Uh, it was just so much happening. And uh, and I guess because, of, as you said, Scott, it was my first year. So it was, it was so weird, you know, to come to Ohio State and go back to the place I had just left and play my alma mater at the same time. It was just weird. but So that was a, it's a great experience for me. Back then, the game was at Sun Devil Stadium. So, did you accidentally right. walk into the 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 home athletic director suite when you when you walked into the stadium? <laughs> it was weird. It was absolutely- <laughs> I did get a chance to go to my old office, but it was absolute all those those things. And and uh, you know, obviously, I was a part of uh, the blessing to start the Pat Tillman um, project there, and and then uh, just you know, just one year later, later just to see some of the progress with that. I mean, there's so many different memories that uh, in a short year have brought me. So I, uh, that one for me was special. I mean, there were a lot of great games, of course, but I, that one was special for me. Well, Gene, I, I can't thank you enough for the time you've given us today. I know there's a lot going on in your world, um, but you personally uh, always have a special place in the Fiesta Bowl's heart and history, and so we're very appreciative of your time and your insight and your, your trip down memory lane. So thank you for your well, time. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate uh, taking me down that, that trip and uh, look forward to getting back to the desert and, and enjoying uh, uh, all the relationships again, and hopefully we're bringing our team down there at some point. So you take care, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.